We got plenty of seats. Hey, real quick, this isn't in my notes. Go ahead and throw up the spring breakaway graphic up there. Go ahead and throw it up there. I'm Pastor Izzy. You already know what it is. It's your boy here. Awesome. All right. I've had several conversations recently, meaning within the past 10 minutes, of people that have no idea what this is. I'm going I'm to break it down for y'all. This is Spring Breakaway. It is a retreat. It is a retreat, meaning that we will meet at the church, and then we hop on a bus, and then we go to a campground, right? So you don't have to drive. You don't have to worry about anything. So you're basically packing a bag for two nights, and then it's two days, two and a half days away from your parents. Somebody say amen. Hey, be nice to your parents. And it's a time to just get away. It's a time to get with the Lord. It's a time to have a lot of fun. It's a time to eat really good food. Shout out to Jenny. Uh, it's a time to compete, right? So we got, we got some great games this year. But really, it's a time to encounter the Lord in a very special way. And so here's the deal. I know some of you have paid, and thank you for paying. Thank you for being early and on time. Like, I appreciate your timeliness and your stewardship towards um, paying and getting there. Uh, the church has been very generous. People in the church have been very generous on, on, hey, are there any students that need scholarships? What I mean by scholarship, is there, is there a student there that needs to be paid for? And to my surprise, slash not surprise, because the church is super generous, people in the church have sponsored students. And so if you have yet to sign up, this doesn't mean next year, wait to sign up so you can get in for free. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there's something stirring. I want everybody to listen to this. There's something stirring in the hearts of the adults of this church. And God is telling them, get kids there. Seriously. I, like, it's not like, I've got an extra $110 just in my pocket. Let me just give it to you. No, because let me tell you something. $110 is groceries for a while. You know what I'm saying? Do you know $100 could get you, it could stretch out all these. You know what I'm saying? You know, give me my quarterback though, right? So like people have been giving to our ministry so that you guys can go. And that tells me something, something in the spirit is stirring. There's something that God wants to do and he is providing a way for every student to be there. Now, if you're on the fence and you're like, I don't know if I want to go, and you can't give me a good reason why you shouldn't go, I'm going to tell you, you need to be there. I'm telling you, you more than anyone needs to be there. I want you to know something. It's not just a normal retreat, and it is not just time to go compete and, and have fun games, and that's awesome, and that's great. But God wants to speak to you. And anytime God wants to do something in our lives, we know that we got the ops. We know that there's an enemy out there that wants to distract us and tell us why we shouldn't go. And you can come up with a hundred reasons why you should not go to Spring Breakaway. And I'm going to tell you a hundred reasons why those are wrong. And I'm going to give you a hundred reasons why you should go. And so I'm not here to pressure you. But I believe in that weekend so much. And I truly believe that when, when the body of Christ, when you and I go and we retreat, oh no, um, then, then what will happen is I truly believe God will meet us there. Now more than ever, 
do we need God to meet us? Right? Because he's not some fictional character. Amen? Can we just get into it? All right, I'm ready. I've got five pages of notes, so turn to your neighbor and say, buckle up. Turn to the other one and say, buttercup. Buckle up, buttercup. Tonight, well, last week, last Thursday, we started with Palm Thursday, right? <laughs> it's supposed to be Palm Sunday, but because I don't get to preach on Palm Sunday, I decided to do a Palm Thursday. We are in the middle of what we as Christians have come to know as Holy Week. Everybody, does that ring a bell? I kind of talked about it last week. We are in the middle of Holy Week. And they call it Holy Week because this is the last week of Jesus' life on earth. That's very important for us to know because without the belief and without the understanding of this week, thousands of years ago, then you and I fail at following Jesus. And I would say if you don't understand Holy Week, which I'm here to help you, I would say your understanding of the gospel may not be where it should be. Look how I just balanced that. So we're in the middle of Holy Week. Say Holy Week. Tomorrow we are going to approach something called, somebody shout it out if you know it. It's called what? Good Friday. By a show of hands, who does not know what Good Friday is? It's not Black Friday. It's not a different Black Friday. It's like, I get gooder deals. No, it's not called Good Friday because there's gooder deals, all right? Black Friday, sorry, Black Friday. (laughs) It was a very dark Friday, this was, but Good Friday is called Good Friday for a certain reason. It's called Good Friday because of what took place with Jesus and the cross that seems dark, seems heavy, seems gruesome, which we're going to get into that. But it's good because of the good news that comes from it. This moment in the history of time is the most important one. You know, we talked about the Garden of Gethsemane two weeks ago. And then we kind of talked uh, last week about Jesus' triumphal entry. Now that Jesus has been declared the king, do we remember that from last week? Now we're going to be talking about him as the Lord. The Lord. Everybody say the Lord. Go ahead, throw that first screen up. The Lord. Say the Lord. The Lord. Lord. In this moment that we're going to talk about, we're going to be in Matthew and Luke, so just be ready to flippity-flop between these guys. They're taking part in something called Passover. Now, there's so much in Holy Week that happened that I could spend two months. How many Thursdays is that? Somebody shout it out. Uh, eight. <laughs> Somebody had a question mark under that. Uh, I could spend eight Thursday nights talking about it and probably more. So I'm going to just run through a lot of this. Passover ultimately is a Jewish tradition that calls for remembrance for their ancestors' time as slaves in Egypt. All right? So part of why it's called Passover, this is the crazy part. I want everybody to listen to this. It's called Passover because if you remember during Moses' time in the, books of, in the book of Exodus, you see that as Moses was like, who's seen the prince of Egypt? Oh, no. Y'all never seen the prince of Egypt? Who, does, who has seen the prince of Egypt? Oh, my gosh. We're doing an Excel movie night. We have to. The prince of Egypt, 
won, won awards. It won awards. Sorry. I'm so offended that you guys don't know. Yeah. I'm like, listen. So during the time of Israelites being slaves in Egypt, Moses was like, hey, Pharaoh, God said, let the people go. He's like, no. He's like, I bet. So this is the most I bet moments of the Bible, right? That's where it was invented. Moses was like, I bet. Watch what happens. Then God, right, God the Father brought down 10 plagues. Like, I'm talking boils on skin, like locusts, frogs, fire and brimstone, like craziness. And then the last plague, so basically these plagues were to punish the Egyptians for not letting God's people go. Are you following me so far? The last plague is what really hit Pharaoh and the Egyptians the most. God said, hey, there's going to be one more plague, the tenth one, and I'm going to send an angel, and this angel is going to be the angel of death. And this angel of death is going to go and scour and cover the land of Egypt and is going to kill the firstborn son of the Egyptians. You're like, if I'm an Israelite, I'm like, yeah, but how does he know that I'm not an, an Egyptian? We all brown. You know what I'm saying? Like, Wait a minute. It's not like, you know, like, you know, this is the north and the south. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all here. Like, how do we know? I just made a brown joke about the Bible. Sure did. So God said, hey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to sacrifice a lamb. You're going to take that lamb's blood. And you're going to cover your door frame, your doorpost with this blood. So, like a door. Y'all know what doors look like, right? Bet. So they take the blood and they cover it with the blood of the lamb. Does that make sense? All right. So they did this so that when the angel of death would come door to door, it would see the blood and it would pass over. It would pass over them. It would move on to the next house to find the Egyptian child. This is the part of the liberation and freeing of the Israelite slaves from, from, listen, this wasn't like 10 days of slavery. This was 430 years of bondage. That's a long time to be a slave, is it not? It's a long time. It's very interesting to think that in a feast, this Passover that Jesus is having with his disciples, it's interesting to think that in a feast, in a moment where they remember the sacrifice of a lamb, that here is Jesus, the soon-to-be lamb slain for us. You didn't catch it, but it's okay. They used the lamb and its blood to save God's chosen people. And now in this moment, we see Jesus taking part in Passover, remembering the lambs that were slain as the lamb that is going to be slain so that the angel of death passes over you. Whoa, that's fire. I, listen, this hopped off the page, and I was like, whoa. What did we just see in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament? The fourth coming of Jesus. We, 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 we literally see the gospel in the book of Exodus. This is crazy. Y'all need to read your Bible more, because the fact that your minds aren't blown, crazy. But ultimately, this moment that Jesus is talking about is freeing us from the bondage of sin and slavery. Now that we have a brief understanding of Passover, right? Let's take a moment 
uh, and that I mentioned earlier, it's important for you and I to know the context and the atmosphere of this environment, this Passover feast that Jesus is in, right? Uh, if you can't tell, I'm into this, right? I love when the Bible tells a story, which is, it's not full of stories. It's one big story, the Bible. Like, I can't help but get into it, all right? So Jesus is now at a feast, and he's having Passover. He's doing this remembrance with his people, with his crew. So we're going to take a moment to look at what's happening. To the disciples, this is just another tradition that they've been doing since they were kids, right? How many of you have a tradition for Christmas morning? Yeah, no, right? My family likes to go to IHOP on Christmas morning. I don't know when it started. I'm like, IHOP, right? It's better than, I guess, Waffle House. I don't know, Waffle House is sketchy. If you ever never been to a Waffle House, don't. <laughs> That's a lie, I love Waffle House. But we have these traditions. So these disciples are like, you know what? We've done this. This is kind of the same old, same old, right? This is the Passover. We do this. We've been doing this seders since we were kids, right? So we know this, right? So they're thinking it's the same thing that they've always done. But Jesus interrupts this moment with, with an extreme statement, right? So picture this. Jesus is chilling with his boys kicking back, right? The Bible says they were reclining, right? So everybody's like, eh, they're just chilling, right? All of a sudden, Jesus says something that was like, wait, what? I know some of y'all friends be saying stuff out of pocket, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all just be chilling and be like, I wonder what would happen if I ran over a dog. He'd be like, whoa, wait, bro, hold on, wait. Some of y'all friends, some of you are that friend and you need to get saved. Um, but here's a moment where Jesus says something out of left field. And it takes the disciples, not just by surprise, but it brings them sorrow. And it brings them pain. And so I want to dive into that tonight. Can we do that? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we anticipate a movement of your spirit because, Lord, when we gather in your name, you're there. You're here with us. And you're not a liar. You're not a fake. Lord, you, you don't flake out on us. You're here, and so thank you for your Holy Spirit. These are your words, inspired by you and your spirit, not mine, so don't let me preach it in a way that was never meant to be preached. But help me communicate these truths, because I know you're true to your word when you say the truth will set us free. So we remember you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everyone says, Matthew chapter 26, 20 through 25. Go ahead and find it on your Bible. Find it on your Glow Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I want to get you one. But we've got one on the sky. It's called the Sky Bible. So I'm going to give you some time. I see people typing it in. I love that. Gives me a chance to hydrate, not dehydrate. You know what I'm saying? If you got to say, uh-huh. If you're ready to read it, say, oh, yeah. And you love Jesus, say, who? Here we go. When it was evening. He reclined at the table with the 12. And as they were eating, he said, watch this. Anytime Jesus talks, we got to perk up. So I want everybody to just sit up in your seat right now. Just everybody sit up. Sit up. You're like, oh, Jesus is about to say something. I love that. Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Dang, Jesus, I just asked for the bread. Now, what are you talking about? I just asked you to pass the bread and the butter. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him 
one after another. How many disciples were there? So 12 of them were very sorrowful. I say 11. And began to say to him, one after another, is it I, say the word, is it I what? With a question mark. So what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Jesus is chilling, right? Jesus is chilling. All of a sudden, he's like, Jesus is he crazy, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to be with him. It's going to be the best time. He goes, hey, just so y'all know, one of y'all is going to betray me. <laughs> this isn't a funny moment, but like, if you're like me with awkward moments and you can't help but laugh, who's like that? When you get in an awkward moment, how about this? By a show of hands, who laughs the most and harder when you're not supposed to laugh in that moment? Right? Right? Ira's like, me. Ira's in altar calls, like, like, you're not supposed to be laughing at altar calls. So he says, one of you will betray me, and they go one by one, one by one. Is it I, Lord? 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 Right? He answered them, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes, and it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed! Exclamation point. No, it's an exclamation point. (laughs) It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. This is awkward. Right? Is it not? Like, I feel like we should be like, kind of heavy in this moment. But like, think about this. Jesus is like, hey, by the way, everybody, everybody, watch this. One of you going to betray me. And the one dude that does betray me, it, it probably would have been better if he wasn't been born. Hello? What? You see what he's saying here? He's like, the person that is going to betray me, it would have been better for you not to have been even born. That's crazy. So that's crazy. Everybody say that's crazy. Is it I, Lord? Eleven of the disciples say, is it I, Lord? Watch what happens next. Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, watch this, you have said so. It it doesn't get no more clear than that, right? I'm like, hold on, leave that verse up. I'm like, hold on, hold on. It says later that the disciples did not know what he was saying. It's one of these things, y'all ever watch a movie and like, like you're looking at the character and you're like, okay, how about this? Y'all remember Dora the Explorer? When she's standing right in front, like, she's like, where is the water bottle? How many of you as a kid were like, Dora, it's behind you. You know what I'm saying? I'd be getting, right? You feel me? He raises that. I'd be like, I'd be wanting to punch Dora in the face. I'd be like, Dora, the water bottle's behind you. You don't need a monkey to tell you that. No wonder Swiper's all, you know, trying to just, because he's like, you're dumb, right? It's not even in my notes. I'm sorry. I'm obviously passionate about Dora. But this is like, this is one of the few times that Jesus said something about his death, which he foretold, no joke, chapters before. Days before he foretold of his death. And the disciples still don't get it. Say, you don't get it. Say, you don't get it. And they just don't get it. They just don't get it. But hold on. Hold on. Did you catch something very significant in what we just read? 
Did you catch something? Let's read it again. Let's read it again. Let's read it again. Verse 22. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I? Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the ditch will be taken. And the Son of Man goes in and is written, Woe to the man who the Son of Man is betrayed. And it would be better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, everybody say, Ooh, would betray him and answered, Is it I? Okay, let's go back. Verse 22 says, Is it I? Okay, but verse 25, he says, is it I? Okay, this is something to pay attention to. This popped off the page at me. Now, maybe there are other pastors and preachers that they have come to this revelation, but I'm on my own journey, and I don't need somebody to force feed the Bible to me. I would love to have my own revelation, thank you very much, right? So I don't need no TikTok pastor to tell me something, right? Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, you have said so. Look at how everyone else referred to Jesus as Lord, you're with me. I love it. But Judas referred to him as, this is weird, right? It's like, how many of you have more than three siblings? Right? There's a bunch of you. Imagine like all of you are sitting at a table and your mom gives y'all something to eat. And you say, thank you, mommy. Thank you, mommy. Thank you. What's your mama's name? Thank you, mommy. Thank you, mommy. Thank you, mommy. Thanks, Jenny. Right? Whoa. My mom, I didn't know my mom's name for like the half of my life, okay? Right, sir? What's your mom? Like, I was at school, and they'd be like, what's your mom's name? I'd be like, mom. But no, what's her real name? I'm like, you tell me. I don't know. I don't know. You got her number. My mom's name is Maria. So it's like weird. It's weird that everybody said, Lord, and all of a sudden, somebody says, Rabbi, it's like everybody's saying, thank you, Mom, and then one says, thank you, Maria. That's not right. My mom would have slapped the taste out of my mouth. So it's very interesting. Turn to your neighbor and say, hmm. So this may seem right at first, and here's, here's the thing. I'm actually not telling you that Judas was wrong. You're like, whoa, traitor. No. I'm not saying that Judas was wrong. He was actually right. Jesus was a rabbi. One of the greatest rabbis to ever walk the earth. But he wasn't just the only rabbi. There's plenty of rabbis out there. Plenty of teachers, right? Plenty of moms out there. But you see, rabbi is a Hebrew word for teacher. Like this was a great title to carry, right? Because there's, there's a lot of studying and a lot of tests and a lot of things in order to, you had to be the smartest person in the room. Right? You would have had to study the Torah like your whole life and have little books of the Bible memorized. Like the whole, like the Pentateuch memorized. Y'all don't know what that is, but it's okay. I'll teach it. So this is a great title to carry, right? A scholar, the master of the Torah, right? But there are many rabbis, right? Matthew here is creating a contrast. I mean, he didn't create it because Judas said it, but he's, he's illustrating something for us between Judas and the rest of the group. Now, I don't think it happened by accident that Matthew writes it this way, right? Some might say Peter called him rabbi, like Peter called him rabbi, right? So I did some study, right? So Peter called him rabbi in Mark 9, but then you also see Peter addressing Jesus as the Messiah in Mark 8. So some people be like, wait a minute, how do you know Judas was being a butt nugget, right? Peter called him rabbi. Yeah, but prior to that, Jesus called him the Messiah, or Peter called him the Messiah. 
So Peter in this moment has already seen Jesus as the Savior, as Lord of all. Like he's already seen that. So Matthew is showing us something critical in Judas' life as well as you and I. So what is it? What is it that you and I need to take away from this moment in time? Here's a question for you. XL, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord of your life? Or is he another teacher? Is he another teacher? Go to that next slide. Here's what happens Here's what happens when you and I only see Jesus as just a teacher, right? So when we see Jesus as just a teacher and not the Lord and Savior of our lives, here's what happens. Number one, his commandments become optional, right? Like, I don't know about you, but when my mom, who is the authoritative figure in my life, said, don't do that, guess what? I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I knew a chanka was on its way. Right? My mom was a sniper with those things, right? She could have been a quarterback. So when we say, you know, Jesus, like, you're just, you're a really good teacher, but I don't know about Lord. You're saying then that the commandments that he gives us to help us live our lives righteously, to help us keep us on the right path, you're saying, you know, Jesus, you're not the boss of me. Some of you live your life as Jesus, just a teacher in your life. You live your life this way. And that's why the things that you're into, that's why the things that you struggle with, and I'm going to say this out of love, you're in it because here's the deal. You don't see Jesus as Lord. You don't see him as an authoritative figure in your life. So the things that he tells you that you should do, you think they're optional. And so you're not the boss of me. Hmm, that's interesting. How about this? Number two, his teachings become monotonous. How do I know? So, I'm, can I just be real with y'all? I think I've been here for almost a year, so I'm just going to keep it real. All right? Can I do that? So, I can tell as a pastor and as a shepherd of this house, who sees Jesus as Lord and who only sees him as rabbi. How? When his teachings become monotonous, the same old, same old, when you sit back with your arms crossed, as this is just another Thursday night. Anytime that the Bible is being talked about, anytime that the gospel is being preached, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, it's something you should perk up at. It's something you should sit up in your seat about. And so some of you, because Jesus isn't the Lord, over, and I'm going to talk about what that means, but because he's not the Lord over your life, Thursday night sermons, Pastor Izzy talking, sounds like wah, 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 in your ears. My older people will get that reference. Shout out to the peanuts. Become, how about this? Number three, his authority in your life is based on the setting. So how do I know, how do we know if Jesus is just a teacher and not our Lord is if we are only Christians at church. If we are only lovers of Jesus and worshipers and givers at church. Your, his 
authority in your life is based on the setting, meaning God can have control and God can speak to you and God can tell you what to do in this room. But the second you leave those far doors, all of a sudden, rules, commandments, authority out the window, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So how could Judas spend three years with Jesus and, and do what he did? We're going to get there. Because of this. Because they only saw Jesus as a teacher. And that's not bad because Jesus is a teacher. One of the greatest teachers ever. Shoot, if you think I could preach, read the Bible. There's so many sermons in there that I just be copying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd rather teach his words than mine. My words ain't going to save you. Judas has spent three, three years he has seen miracles. The feeding of the 10,000. Jesus walking on water. Lazarus being raised to dead, right? Like from the dead. Like Mary being uh, 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 freed from, from demons. Uh, we've got more um, people like, like the man that was called Legion that had a legion of demons inside of him. Freed, rebuked, right? Like Judas was there. Judas was there. Listen, the, like we like to take Judas as if he wasn't just hanging around. Like, oh, he betrayed Jesus because he didn't know Jesus. Didn't, wasn't, didn't have a really good relationship with Jesus. No, he was there. He saw all. He was there. So how could this happen? What could possibly make Judas see Jesus as only a teacher? And it's this. He never accepted him as Lord. He never accepted. So here's the temptation for you. You can sit here. Every Thursday and every Sunday and every Wednesday, and you can see miracles. You could actually see miracles. We see miracles all the time. And still, yet, you're missing it because Jesus is the Lord of your life. This statement, Jesus is Lord, means this that Jesus is God. So when I say Jesus is Lord, I'm saying Jesus is God. What else? Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Say authority. That's what lordship is. It's authority. Jesus even referred to himself as Lord many times. Show the scripture. In saying Jesus is Lord, we commit ourselves to obey him. Jesus asked this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's kind of frustrating, no? Like, when Dottie gets older, she starts calling me dad, 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 dad. I'm going to be like, why do you call me dad, but do not clean your room? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But you see what he's saying? He's like, time out. Wait a minute. You can't call me Lord, Lord, if you don't allow me to have authority in your life. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? That's some of you that come to your leaders and come to me asking for advice and then not take it. Like we're some magic eight ball. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? An acknowledgement of Jesus' lordship should accompany and be accompanied by what? Submission. 
when we acknowledge Jesus as Lord, that acknowledgement, meaning God, you are Lord. That's when you acknowledge somebody. Jesus is Lord. That has to be accompanied, meaning put together with submission to him, submission to his word, submission to his authority. If Jesus is Lord, then we're, some, I'm about to say this, and it's going to be uncomfortable for some of you. And I'm going I'm to help you work through that. But if Jesus is Lord, then he owns us. Then he owns us. He has the right to tell us what to do. And some of us have an issue with that. Right? Some of us have a problem with that. Here's another scripture. Show the next person. The next scripture. A person who says Jesus is Lord with a full understanding of what that means, which means Jesus is God and has supreme authority over all things, has been divinely enlightened. Right? No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Pause. So what are you saying? There needs to be an impartaking of the Holy Spirit. And it's by the Holy Spirit that it is revealed to us that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus has the authority. We see this with Judas because he was trying to learn the Lordship of Jesus when Scripture tells us that it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The impact of the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other sermon, but that's something that you need to pay attention to. How about this? It says this in Acts 16.31. And listen, you need to write these verses down. Faith in the Lord Jesus is what? Say it again. For what? All right. So here, all of a sudden, we see something that is a requirement to be saved. Right? So, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ died and rose again, you will be saved. Romans 10, verse 9. Those are some requirements. You got to believe in your heart, the thing that pumps inside of you spiritually, and you have to confess with your mouth, meaning you have to truly believe. All of a sudden in Acts, now we see this. Faith in the Lord Jesus. Let me take Lord out and put another word. Faith in the authority of Jesus is required for salvation. Why? It is going to be very difficult for you to live in the freedom and in the grace of salvation through Jesus if you do not follow Jesus. If you do not follow, Pastor, I'm just having a hard time with my faith. Do you know what I'm going to start saying to you? Well, well, then are you saved? And that sounds really hard, and I'm, it's not meant to scare you. But I'm saying, like, listen, I believe in struggling, and I believe we're kidding ourselves. Because just because you've seen God move, just because you've seen the miracles. Now, I'm exposing this because Judas was there. He has seen all of this, and he makes the biggest mistake that God used to bring the biggest gift of all time. And so in order for you to accept and walk in the salvation that God has freely given you and I, you have to have faith in the authority of Jesus. Am I preaching tonight? 
Are you still with me? There's some of us here, and we don't like the thought of someone telling us what to do. Some of y'all don't. Some of you don't. Teachers, parents, your friends, all of that. And there's so many reasons why, but ultimately, like, we don't want to be told what to do because we want to be in control. You want to be, well, I just don't like the way my mom talks to me. No, you want to be in control. Well, I just don't like the way the teachers are petty. No, you just want to be in control. Let's, let's just be real. Can we be real? You want control over your life. You don't like people telling you what to do. You don't like when Pastor Izzy tells you not to hang out in the hallway to come in for preacher's prayer because you want control. But here's something. Here's something that this is crazy. Um, like, being in control got you in the mess you're in. Right? Being in control got you in the muddy mess that you're in. So God, being someone that says, listen, you have to choose me, but if you don't, it is what it, listen, that's free will. You do what you want to do. We can't just sit back and then blame God for when bad things happen. We can't just sit back and when things don't go right or things don't go our way, listen, you wanted control. You wanted control over your life, and so now you are going to reap the benefits of what it looks like when you have the authority over your life. You want to be in control? Fine. Uh, who said this? Um, famous speaker, it's, it's, it, Craig Rochelle, I think, said this. He said, either you have growth or control, but you can't have both. Either you can be in control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You can't have both. Being in control got you in the mess you're in. Judas finds himself betraying Jesus for silver. Like, right. Not even gold. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, not, even not even diamonds. You know what I'm saying? I would, like, if I wasn't, like, one of the disciples, and I was just, like, an entrepreneur that just saw Jesus as a commodity and something that I can get money off of, I'm like, dude, is silver? 30 pieces of silver? Like, I think he's worth the Anyways. For silver, students and leaders, I ask you the question again, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Or is he just another teacher? Here's, you can throw up that next slide. When you live your life, when you live life your way, you end up betraying the calling God has on your life. I know there's a comma weird. But when you live life your way, you end up betraying the calling God has on your life. How could Judas betray Jesus? I can't believe Judas would betray Jesus. When you take your life into your own hands, I will boldly say this and be corrected if I need to later, you betray Jesus. How could Judas do such a thing? And I look at myself. I look at Pastor Izzy. And I say, how could I do such a thing? How many times have I traded God's calling in my life for silver? How many times have I traded God's blessing, God's favor? How many times have I traded God's love for something cheap and not worth anything? When you and I 
live life our own way, we betray Jesus. We betray Jesus. And that's a hard pill to swallow. I'm thankful that these truths are hard but necessary. Is he the Lord of your life or just another teacher? So fast forward. I want you to think about that. Keep that in the back of your mind as we continue to move forward. Because now we're coming from Passover to the next moment that we see in Holy Week. Jesus has now been betrayed. I want The reason why I'm not going through, because I want you to read this story, this specific moment in Scripture. You can read it in John. You can read it in Matthew. You can read it in Mark. You can read it in Luke. All four of them write about this moment. Jesus has now been betrayed. Right? He was in the garden. They fell asleep. Judas comes. Betrays Jesus with a kiss on the cheek, calls him rabbi again. And Jesus is put in chains. And then he was beaten until he was unrecognizable. And then he was unjustly tried in court in an illegal trial. And then he was brought before the Roman government. And what we see happen next still blows my mind. This is, this is Jesus we're talking about. This is, this is the most kind, gentle, and generous person to ever walk the earth. He was betrayed by his close friend, arrested, tried in an illegal trial behind closed doors, and then turned over to the oppressors, to the Roman government. And in Matthew 27, it tells us that Jesus was sentenced to death. The same people that were welcoming him at the beginning of the week. Hosanna! Save us! So glad you're here! Yes! It's happened to Messiah's here are now the same people shouting the words crucify him. Uh, that, that sucks. Can I just be, can I say that? That's a tough moment to, to read about when Jesus is your best friend. And I struggled writing this sermon. Because I didn't think I'd be able to get through it because this isn't fair. This isn't fair what they do to Jesus. Matthew 27 tells us he was convicted, he was tried, he was sentenced to death while a murderer and a rebellious leader, a leader of the insurrection, a leader of the rebellion against Rome named Barabbas was set free instead of Jesus. What the heck? What? What happened in the last few days? Where are those people that were shouting his name? Now all of a sudden there's this interruption in scripture. And you've heard me talk about this a few times. If you pay attention to my sermons, I talk about beautiful interruptions. All of a sudden... Like, this moment is about Jesus, right? This moment is about Jesus going to the cross and, and everything's going according to plan. And then all of a sudden, this moment happens 
where we see a glimpse once again of his kindness and his lordship. Caiaphas says, hey, who do you guys want? You want Jesus? Or do you want Barabbas? The people shout, Barabbas! We want, we want Barabbas. What are they saying? They're saying, we want the murderer. We want the rebel leader. Listen, he kills Romans. He has been nothing but trouble to the Roman Empire. And they're willing to let him go. This is nuts. This is crazy. And it's hard for me to understand. But Jesus, Jesus stays silent. I say, we want Barabbas. There's no, there's no scripture that we can read that says, then Barabbas turned around and said, thank you, Jesus. You're the man. I will serve you forever. I got you. Starting the church in Chicago. There's no record of this. He took his freedom and he left. No recognition of Jesus being Lord at all. Now in Luke 23, we're going to read this on the screen. We see Jesus has made his way to the cross. This isn't in my notes. Go ahead and just start Luke 23. This is the message version. Paints a, I think, a better picture. If you didn't know this, the cross was a Roman invention. And scientists today still say that it is the worst possible way to die. Apart from being beaten, spat on, bloodied and bruised, with something and whipped with something that they call the cat of nine tails. It was a whip that had sharp object, objects woven into it. And they said that every time they whipped Jesus, it would dig into his skin. And as they pulled out, it was taking chunks of his skin. Doctors say they have no idea how Jesus survived this beating, but he did. And now he is on a torture mechanism. This wasn't like we're just hanging somebody and we're just calling it a day. Right? That guy stole. Hang him. Done. This is evil. This is the worst way. This is, this is them saying, we want to prolong this death as much as we can. So you see Jesus on the cross. It's not just like he's up there and Jesus gets tired and says, all right, I'll save everyone out. That's not what he's doing. He's suffocating to death. He's losing so much blood. Barely can see, his eyes are swollen shut. And all of a sudden, you see them drive nails into his hands. More like his wrists. So that he can stay up there. And what happens is, every time Jesus tries to breathe, he loses more breath as he tries to lift himself up. So what's happening is, apart from losing blood and dying slowly that way, he is suffocating. He can't breathe. Why am I telling you this, which is really graphic? I want you to understand what Jesus is going through right now. Because we take 
Easter and we, we love his resurrection, but there is no good news without bad news. And although this is Good Friday, we see this moment as something really bad. Let's read it. Two others, both criminals, are taking along with him for the execution. So Jesus isn't by himself. As he's carrying his cross, there's two other criminals that are on their way to be crucified with Jesus. They got to the place called Skull Hill. In other translations, you'll hear Golgotha, which means place of the skull or Skull Hill. They crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus prayed. He just endured the hardest few days of his life. I know he could barely speak. His throat, his whole body must be swollen and full of blood. And yet, Jesus prayed. Now, that's impressive in itself and talks to you about the, and speaks to the strength of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Well, who does he pray for? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even on the cross, he was thinking about us, man. Even on the cross, he's praying and he's saying, God, listen, I know what they're doing. It's crazy right now, but they don't know what they're doing. They're lost. If I don't do this right now, they'll stay lost. On the cross, Jesus thought about you. He thought about you. He thought about me and all the times that I would betray him and all the times that I would sin, all the times that I would mess up. Think about it. All the times that you fall into that same sin, that same temptation, all the times that you look at Jesus and say, no, thank you. I want to do it my way. Even in that moment, Jesus knew. And he said, Father, forgive them. Be gracious to them because, listen, they don't know what they're doing. That's why I'm up here. This is crazy. And what happens while he's bleeding and he's dying, he's suffocating, dividing up his clothes, they threw dice for them. They're gambling over Jesus' clothes. It's so disrespectful. They're, they're gambling over his clothes. The people stood there staring at Jesus and the ringleaders made faces, taunting he saved others. Let's see him save himself. The Messiah of God. <laughs> He's like, the chosen. Ha! <laughs> what? They're making fun. They're making fun of Jesus. That's, that's so hard to read. 
there, I, could, I just can't imagine. Even if, he, even if it wasn't the Messiah, even if it wasn't Jesus, here they are mocking somebody that is on their last breath. That's just not a human. That's just evil. And Jesus endured it. He endured it. Next slide. The soldiers also came up. So now there's more. And poked fun at him, making a game of it. They toasted him with sour wine. And they said this, so you're the king of the Jews. Save yourself. On the cross, they would have the crime and the title of the criminal that was hanging. So if you were a murderer, they would put murderer. If you were a thief, they would put thief. And you see Jesus printed over him was a sign of his crime. And what was his crime? This is the king of the Jews. His crime was being the Lord. His crime was being the king. One of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him. You've got onlookers gambling over his clothes. You've got soldiers making a game out of it and toasting to him. Now, now, just to put a cherry on top of the humiliation, one of the criminals hanging up there with him. This is nuts. One of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him. He says, some Messiah you are. Save yourself. Save us. And I almost can hear Jesus in his heart saying, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing and they don't know what I'm doing. I'm saving them. I don't know how Jesus keeps quiet to all of this mocking. Next slide. But the other one, on the other side of Jesus, made him shut up. He says this. Have you no fear of God? Have you no fear of God? You're getting the same as him. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. Then he said to Jesus, another beautiful interruption. Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. There was no, hey, Jesus, I've been following you forever. Could you, you know, could you let me in? But there's no record of this guy ever knowing who Jesus was or is. Until this moment, he's seeing Jesus on the cross. There's no sinner's prayer. There's no repeat after me. There's no tithe this amount. There's no come to church this many times. You don't see any asking of resume. And you don't see any asking of rapport. You see nothing of that. 
And so whatever in your mind makes you think that you need to do certain things or be here certain times or whatever to be saved, I'm telling you it's wrong. Because we see in this moment, all he asked Jesus to do, hey, could you, could you remember me? When you enter into your kingdom, people are saying, wait a minute. He says a few things that should spark something in our hearts. Have you no fear of what? Of who? He just acknowledged Jesus as God. If you believe in your heart and confess with your... Okay. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. He knows Jesus is spotless. He has now recognized that Jesus is righteous. He has now recognized that this man is innocent. He has now recognized that Jesus has done nothing wrong. He does not deserve this, but he's still there. Then he says, Jesus... Remember me when you enter into your what? Who has a kingdom? A what? The king. If you remember last week. So now he's acknowledged Jesus as the king. And kings have what? Authority. And authority is also another word that we use for someone that is Lord. So in this moment. What we see is this man puts his faith in Jesus. There's no record of him living a life that was righteous. He was a criminal. More than likely to, to have this kind of severe punishment, he must have been a career criminal. What is it saying here? That it's never too late. It's never too late for your dad. It's not too late for your uncle. It's not too late for your mom. Now is the time. God wants to use you. Don't wait for Pastor Izzy. Don't wait for Pastor Joey. Don't wait for us to preach a sermon and ask them to believe. You need to go home and you need to say, listen, there is a God who sent his son that died for you. And I learned about him tonight and he didn't deserve it. And if a criminal who in the last breath of his life has given his heart to Jesus and Jesus said, yes, then you can too. There's no record of him living a good life. He's not asking you to live a good life. He's just asking you to follow him. He's asking you to follow him, to have authority over your life. And in that, you will see the goodness of God. Here's what Jesus says. Don't worry. I will. He didn't have to say that. He could have said no. He could have said, listen, man. Where were you the past three years of my ministry? Why weren't you at service? Why didn't you go to Spring Breakaway? You don't see any of that. He says, don't worry, I will. Today, you will join me in paradise. As we see this, and I'll be boldly to say, this is one of the first 
converts to enter into the kingdom of heaven. A thief. In the past few passages that you and I just read, Pastor Jason, do you mind? I'm calling him up a little early. We see three criminals. We see three. We see Judas. I consider him a criminal. I mean, he just was a part of an illegal trial for money, kind of like a hitman, criminal. We see Barabbas, criminal. And then we see the thief, criminal. Three criminals. And they all had a chance to turn to Jesus. They all had a chance to declare him as Lord, but only one does. You and I see Jesus' kindness and lordship and we see the gospel and the good news even before it happens. How? Let me break it down real quick. In John chapter 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. All of them. Right before Judas betrays Jesus, he washes his betrayer's feet. Some of you won't even look in the direction of somebody that gave you attitude the other day. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is doing something that is so humble and so kind. He's washing the feet of the man that in just a few hours is going to turn on him and betray him. Jesus washed his feet knowing all of these things and he still did it. We see that Jesus gave no argument while he was on trial to taking Barabbas' place. You don't see him shouting. You don't see him screaming. You don't see him pleading a case. He took Barabbas' place without the guarantee that Barabbas would then live a good life because of Jesus' sacrifice. But we see Jesus go to the cross anyway. While Jesus is washing Judas' feet, there is a moment where Judas can repent. There is a moment where he can turn. We don't see him do it. But yet Jesus washes his feet anyway. We have a moment where a murderer is freed. And he has a moment to turn around and say, Jesus, I owe you everything. I owe you my life. They were going to hang me. They were going to let me rot in prison. I owe you everything. I will commit my life to you. No. He takes his freedom and he leaves. And Jesus does it anyway. Then finally, we see how Jesus remembers the thief because of his acknowledgement of sin and of Jesus' lordship. He asked Jesus to be remembered. Jesus said, yes, listen to me tonight. This innocent man, Jesus, the son of God, died for you. He died for you. He died for you. I'll be bold and say, he died so that you can come sit in here and not pay attention. He died so that you can at least have a space to come and not pay attention. 
But I don't want to be like Judas, and I don't want to be like Barabbas. I want to be like that thief. And I say, God, I know who you are. I know you're innocent, and I know you're saving me, and I just want you to remember me. This is the Jesus that you and I serve. Or maybe tonight you have not made that decision yet. Jesus, the Son of God, died for you whether or not you'd acknowledge him as Lord. Without a guarantee. Why would he do that? Why would he die for a jaywalker? Why would he die for the 606? Why would he die for the mix? Why would he die for leaders, for pastors, for in-betweeners? Why would he die? Students, listen to me. Listen. He loves you. With every fiber of his being. He loves you. With every breath in his lungs, he loves you. Well, I do this. He loves you. Well, I look at, he loves you. Well, I don't love him. He loves you. And you've not encountered real love. You have not encountered real love until you encounter the love of Jesus. How can we see him coming back to my first love? I know I've loved other things. You've never loved anything until you've understood the love of Jesus and in return gave him yours. I'm Judas. You're Judas. I'm Barabbas and you're Barabbas. But I'm also the thief. And you are also the thief. And we all have access to paradise. But it comes from acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. I'll say this. A lot of us have issues with authority because we've only seen authority in our lives as abusive or controlling. I want you to know he's not abusive in power. And if you give your life to him and if you let him be the Lord of your life, he will not abuse his power or authority. Listen, I'm not saying these things for nothing. He isn't using me for affection or for love. He isn't just using me to make himself feel better. No, he's changing me. He's helping me. He's providing me. He's strengthening me when I'm weak. And he's loving me despite my failures and flaws. That's why I call him Lord. That's why I've given him authority over over my life. Because he has not failed me. And he will never fail me. And he will never fail you. He will never fail you. But what if I feel like he has? What if my dad still dies? I've said those words. What if the diagnosis still comes through that she's sick? What if the way I feel about myself doesn't change right away? What do I do then? He still loves you.
And he wants to help you in that. And that's why at Spring Breakaway, we are having the topic of growing pains. Because in order to have growth, sometimes that means that there's pain. Instead of running from pain, we're going to talk about how God uses pain to help us grow. And we hear this saying a lot that God will never waste a hurt in our lives. He wants to help us. If you are on the fence about having Jesus, the Lord of your life, I love, I, Pastor Izzy, I love you so much. And I want you to experience the freedom that I have found when I give Jesus the authority over my life. I want that for you. And I will unapologetically fight for it. Jesus is the Lord. It's the truth. Whether or not people acknowledge that fact, he is more than the Messiah, more than a Savior. He is the Lord of all. And someday, all will submit to the truth. We see this in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It's not up there, but listen to this. Someday, all are going to submit to this truth right here. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whether you do it now, you will do it later. Either you will be acknowledging him as Lord because of the freedom in your life, or you will be acknowledging him as Lord as a person that you have been separated from and are now going to a place that was never meant for you. And that place is called hell. It's eternal separation from God. So why is Good Friday so good? It's because you and I were bound for hell. I don't care if you don't believe in hell. It's real. It's a place that was not designed for you. Roxana wasn't meant for you. Devin wasn't meant for you. Matt was never meant for you. Zay was never meant for you. I can go every single student. It was never, Brenda Lee, it was never meant for you. This place, hell, you're not supposed to go there. It means separate from everything good. Everything that God is. And Jesus decided to say, you know what? No one else is going to step up and no one else can. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the place. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus dies on a cross. And so he breathed his very last breath. And that's it. That's the end of the story for now. Our Savior has just died. And now his disciples have no idea what to do. If I can get somebody to take this table, and if Gio, oh yeah, once Gio does that, go ahead. If you, the people that, we're going to do something right now. We're going to do this quick. We're going to do this quick. So we may not sing. We may just play. Go ahead. Yeah, come on. 
I'm going to explain what's happening. Flashback, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. I know it's 8.30, but y'all stick around anyway, so we're going to do this. After Jesus washes his betrayer's feet and the rest of them, Peter says, whoa, what are you doing? You You shouldn't wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. And he looks at Peter, who just put his foot in his mouth again. He says, if I don't do this, no one else can. What is he saying when it comes to washing the feet? He's saying, I, have to, I am the only one that can make you clean. I am the only one that can do this for you. Peter, it's not that I'm washing your feet right now. It's that I am washing you. I am making you clean for everyone. This, this opportunity is for everyone. And then Jesus breaks bread. And we have what we call communion. And in communion, it's a moment where we remember and reflect on what Christ did for us on the cross. And I thought that it would be beneficial and special if we all took communion together. And Pastor Ariel and I, we're going to sing a song for you guys. But I kind of just want you guys to sit while Pastor Jason plays. Because I don't want my words to be regurgitated by you. I want you to remember. And so in a moment, I'll have you just get up. And you are going to take the bread in the cup. So it's the juice. And there's a little cup. There's a plastic film right at the top. You're going to pull that top film. Okay? And you're going to pull the bottom one. So Jesus says, this is my body. That was broken for you. Saying, remember what I'm doing. Remember the sacrifice that I'm making. And so he tells them to partake of the bread. And so they eat it in remembrance of Jesus' physical sacrifice. Then he says, this is the cup. This is my blood poured out for you. Starting a new covenant meaning contract. Like, this is it right here. This is what will wash your sins away. My blood. There's power in his blood. Blood that represents righteousness and purity. We see scriptures like, though my sins be as crimson as scarlet, he washes me white as snow. It's because of the blood. It's because of the blood of Jesus. And so this isn't a shot. Don't disrespect this moment thinking you're at some kind of club. This is a holy moment. It's a moment where you and I remember Jesus. And so this section, you're going here to grab yours in a second. Middle section, you'll grab it from Gio. This section, you'll grab it. So let's do that now. Go ahead and get up. Now, I'll say this. If you are not a Christian, I would ask that you would remain seated and let this pass from you. And there's scripture regarding that that I can explain at another time. But I want you to take that. Make sure everybody has one. Awesome.
make sure everybody has one. Everyone in the back too? Did you guys get one? Yeah? Awesome. Great. Everybody, I've got one. Pastor Jason's playing, but I'll put it up here. Just Okay, he's got one. I've got one. I've got one. All right, thank you guys. So here's what we're going to do. I don't want anybody on their phones. I don't want anybody on their phones. So if you've got your earplug in, which I don't know why you would have anything going on in your ear right now, go ahead, take that out. We're going to focus here in this moment. Because if, if somebody died for you and just said, hey, on the occasion, would you just remember me? That requires all of your attention. So this isn't a moment to goof around in. This is a holy moment. And so what are you going to do right now in the next two minutes? Is I just want you to sit in your chair. And I want you to remember the story that I just told. I want you to remember how Jesus was beaten and bruised for you. I want you to remember how they beat him till he was unrecognizable. And then I want you to remember the blood that was shed for you, how he did this for you. And then when you feel ready, I just want you to take of that bread. So you'll peel the bread. And when you feel like you've remembered him, eat the bread. And then thank him. Say, thank you, God, for your body that was broken for me. Thank you, God. And then you say, thank you for your blood. I remember you, the blood that washes me clean. And so take a few moments. I'm going to give you it now. You're going to remember the Lord. You are remembering him. And then you are thanking him. And once you've done that, you can take the elements. If there's any sin in your life, ask for forgiveness before you take these. Before you take the elements. If you need to get right with Jesus, do it right before you do it. Say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you. I don't want to take this, Lord, just because... So if you need to get right real quick, meaning you need to ask Jesus to forgive you, do that now. Do not take of the elements. It's in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead, reflect on him.